Julie doesn't know what to do with me. That's okay, God does, and he's the only, he's the only one who really has to know. <laughs> so we're doing good. Okay, everybody, you ready for part two? Yep. All righty, so if you're writing in your little journals or whatever, the title of this is Love Is. Contrary to Captain James T. Kirk, space is not the final frontier. <coughs> Knowing God's love is the final frontier because eternity is bigger than the universe. Go figure. There's nothing more electrifying, life-changing, and exciting than having a true and vital love relationship with God, the Creator, or what Captain Kirk was trying to explore, the universe. Span, right? Pinky and thumb. God can put the whole universe between his pinky and thumb. So that's pretty big. <laughs> And the thing is, it's macro-micro. God is so huge, and yet he knows the hairs of your head. He loves you intimately. He loves you in ways you don't even know you need to be loved. He loves you in ways that you've never even thought about. I mean, how many, raise your hands, how many people have ever been surprised by something cool God did for them? So we've all had a taste of the ice cream cone, right? We know what it's supposed to feel like. So in this session, we're going to define, talk a little bit more about what love is. And we've already talked about how it's divine. It comes from God. And if you don't have that, you're not, you can, it's pretty hard to be selfless without God in your heart. Because love requires a sacrifice. I mean, you're going to find when you love, you're giving up time, you're giving up money, you're giving up energy to do things that weren't on your agenda to-do list, and yet you see the profit for, for following God's voice. So years ago, thank God, years ago, <laughs> I lost, almost lost my cool. I used to, God, I had the worst temper of anybody I ever met. See, I'm telling you all my secrets because I've been walking with Jesus almost 50 years. Next October, I'll be 50 years serving the Lord. And you know who else? Tina Hill, Katina Wilson, and a few other people. I'm, I, hope I'm, I hope I'm not missing you in this room. But look, there's something to say for faithfulness. And I almost lost my cool one time because somebody came up to me and said, you know, God is not loving. And the Irish in me was going, Rrr! and I am so glad that I just pushed that temper tantrum down because they finished the sentence. And that was the first person that ever said to me where it stuck. God is not loving. God is love. And I just melted like an ice cream cone in Georgia on July 4th. So that gave my brain a seven-way stretch. That was the first, I mean, you hear God is love, you hear, and then, you know, Jesus said, he that hath ears, let him hear. There's stuff we're going to hear, and then there's stuff that we finally hear. And you know you hear it because it, it just turns you on fire right here inside. So the first thing about love is love is when the other person's happiness. Next slide. Wow. Love is when the other person's happiness is more important than your own. Can you imagine how the world would change if everybody got that in their head? And when you talk about love is when the other person's happiness is more important than your own, think of Jesus. 
You know what makes Jesus happy? When we love, when we do loving things. And we know that the great chapter on love is 1 Corinthians 13. And in verses 1 through 3, it states that whatever, and this blows my mind, you could, it says you can give all your stuff away and give your body to be burned, but if you don't do it in love, it profits you nothing. Because one day when Jesus comes back, we're going to give an account of how we spent this life. We, life is like a coin. You can spend it any way you want, but you can only spend it one time. And in 1 Corinthians 13, the first three chapters talk about, you know, only what we do, do in love is going to profit us for all eternity. And we'll talk about that. That's going to be a fun teaching. So what does love look like? In verse 4, I'm going to read out of one of the messages, or one, I don't know which one, doesn't matter. But the point is, love is patient, which means it doesn't fly. I mean, I, when my car got hit today, you know what I was? patient and I was so proud of myself and you know what love is kind I, you know what else I was I was kind and it felt good and let me just tell you Jesus ministry was imbued with kindness I read a book one time and, and in the chapter it said have you ever considered how much of his ministry Jesus spent just being kind and you know what my answer was I was in my 40s and the answer was no I hadn't really considered I'd considered the miracles and walking on water, but I hadn't really just thought how kind he was to people. Love does not envy. It's actually happy with another person's success. Love does not boast, like telling everybody they'd been in the Bible 15 year, 50 years. <laughs> oops, oops, got to get back on board here. Um, love is not proud, and pride has been the downfall of more people's lives than any of almost any of the sins out there because pride goeth before the fall and a haughty spirit before destruction. Who wants a fall or destruction? Anybody in here want that? No, me neither. Love does not dishonor others. And boy, do we need that in our world today to just be more peaceful and to be kind to one another. Even if we disagree on some stuff, we can have a conversation without hating each other, even if we don't think the same thing. Love is not self-seeking, and that's a big one. That one really, you know you're getting mature when you get to that spot. Love keeps no record of another person's wrongs. I know married couples, when they come to me for counseling, well, you don't know what he did, and she did this 20 years ago, and they did this. Eh, pull the plug. If God cast it as far as the east is from the west, we might want to take some pointers from him. And here's the biggie. This is the one I talked about a little bit in the last session, and this still... Makes my brain hurt. <laughs> love thinks no evil. Thinks. You got to think something before you do it. You got to think something before you say it. So when everything's hot and bothered, you know what? We have a pause button. If we'll just push pause like I did today, wh why do you think I felt when I heard my car got hit? Initially, was I happy? No. But you know what I did? I push pause. <laughs> and I just did the WWJD, what would Jesus do? And that's what I did. I'm working on thinking no evil. I'm really working on it. Because <laughs> here's the deal, folks. If we, if we all, and it, just in this room, decided this weekend, God help me think no evil, we would, we would a bomb of love from this place would go out that would reverberate around the world. Love is energy. You understand that, right? 
I'm not being like, you know, Eastern religion, woo-woo stuff. Love is energy, and it gives off energy, just like demons give off energy. So, love is both a noun and a verb. Now we're going to get all wonky. We're going to get a teacher up here. We are filled wall to wall with God's love, and we need to focus on that. But as I said, the world is a hostile environment. That's why we got to get rooted in it and grounded. So we have to be the element of change. <laughs> Somebody said, be the change you want to see. If you want to see that change, be that. Be the lighthouse. Aren't we called lights of the world? And Jesus said, don't hide your light under a bushel, child. Get out there and shine. Let the world see you. So my motto, and I'm going to give you a few of my mottos, and they're free. You don't have to pay any extra. My motto is treat others. I know you think you know what the other half is. Treat others like Jesus treats you. See, we got the doing to others as you would have them doing it. But what if we treated others and just had in our mind, I'm going to treat you like Jesus would treat you? Would that change anything? Yeah. Would that change any conversations between anybody? So if we could walk in love 100% of the time, since love never fails, the things we do would be things that God was putting on our heart. And you know what? It doesn't mean you'd have a perfect life, but it means that endeavor that you have put your shoulder to the wheel that would not fail because it came from God and as long as you believe God loved you he would keep giving you the wisdom and the revelation you need to make it happen I've seen it trust me a lot of times in my life and I'm sure how many people in here have seen something God give them an idea and show them how to bring it to pass yeah so you know I'm not talking foreign tongues here because when love moves in Fear moves out. Right on. When love moves in, fear moves out. You can't be walking in love and in fear at the same time. You got one or the other. And old Rufus Mosley, he was a pecan picker down in South Georgia, and he said, I'd name one foot glory and the other in hallelujah. Because when love rides in, hell rides out. When hell rides in, love rides out. That's our choice. Good old Southern wisdom here. And when, when love moves in, we also have the peace of God within ourselves. Whether they say it or not, other people can see the peace in you. They can see the kindness in you. They, they are attracted to you. So friends, whatever the problem, love is the answer. And sadly, many of our societal examples, excuse me, the movers and the shakers, if anything comes out really long, tell me. So. <laughs> that would be embarrassing to get that on video. Sadly, many of our societal examples, the movers and shakers of the world, are the exact opposite of agape. And that's why the world's in a hot mess today. They are proud. They are foolish. See, i got to read these because I don't think about these terms a lot. They are proud. They are foolish. They are selfish. They are vain. They are narcissistic. And they, have, they may have money or power, but they're very unhappy. The most unhappy, unfulfilled humans you'd never want to know when you get past that glitzy veneer there's usually sad and broken human beings without God and without hope because I had a first-hand look at all this when I was 19 years old and I was sassy from Georgia I lived down in Palm Beach Florida baby and I was a photographer 
I was a society photographer and I met the Kennedys and Marjorie Merriweather Post. Anybody heard of Mar-a-Lago? I've been there. I was the one who wrote for the, the, the shiny sheet, the society. And these people, when you got alone with them, they were some of the unhappiest, selfish, me, me, me people. They just, they actually looked drawn. Even if they were young, they just looked drawn in their face. And then I had to top that. And that's when I became a blackjack dealer in Lake Tahoe, Nevada. And that, believe it or not, how, I can't tell you how many nights, because that's when I was an alcoholic. Well, I'm still an alcoholic, but I'm in recovery for 40 years. And that is something to celebrate. Um, I would, I'd be at the bar because you got free drinks and I worked from four o'clock till midnight or six o'clock till whatever the next day. And I was meeting all the movie stars. I was meeting the famous comedians. I was rubbing shoulders with people that were in movies and on television. And guess what? I don't think I met one of them that wasn't miserable. Here they had the world as their oyster, but they were lacking what? They had no love. There's a God, Blaise Pascal, the great 16th century scientist said, there's a God-shaped void in every heart and only God can fill it. If you're using something besides God, if you're using money or dope or meanness, a lot of people are addicted to anger. You know what happens when you start using those negative things to fill the hole? I call it chasing the dragon. All you're gonna do is more of it if you don't stop yourself. You're just going to do more and more because the demon in you that wants you to think that way or around you, and they're not necessarily in you, is going to want to feed itself. That's the one that's getting off on these negative habits. You're not. <laughs> so I just saw all this mess. And the thing is, I came that close to marrying into that lifestyle. I was engaged to a man in California when I came to Christ. And this is the life we would have lived. And I can't tell you how many times I think how close I came to missing the ring, you know, and throwing my life away. I don't think I would have even lived this long. But when I was 23, I think I mentioned this, I took a home, trip back to Rome, Georgia, to tell my mom about the engagement. And what I tell you, I met two of my friends I used to grow pot with, the mafia daughter. <laughs> I remember we went to the grocery store together and Willard, the father, made you know, invited me to ride with him to the grocery store. And I was like, yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, their maid's quarter was, was three times as big as the house I lived in. And we, he says, you take two carts and I'll take two. And we were throwing hams and this and that and liquor. And we get up to the, <laughs> we get up to the cashier. I mean, he had, a, he had a wad of hundreds like a soup can. But you know what? He was miserable. His, both of his sons died in prison. Why? They got caught on Long Island Big political donors got caught bringing narcotics into the country. How do you like that lifestyle? No, thank you, shorty boy. So when I saw love in that little fellowship, I logged on to it like a Texan on a barbecued pork chop. And I just said, uh, you know, Christ, when I found Christ, I literally left the lifestyle of the rich and famous. And as the apostle said, apostle Paul said, I counted it but dung for the knowledge of Jesus Christ. I had this guy that I was engaged to call me back in between marriages and try to get me back in that lifestyle. And God was just like, no, no, no. I mean, I've made some bad mistakes, but that would have been a worse mistake, trust me. 
So I quickly wanted to try modeling love like Jesus and practice those attributes in 1 Corinthians 13. <sighs> because I still, you know, have trouble with peg. I'm a type A perfectionist. And I'll probably leave here and think, did you teach this or could you have taught that a better way? But I've learned to put the brakes on it. Because what's the point? I can't go back and do this again, right? <laughs> so get off your case. How many people would like to ask God to help them get off their case this weekend? How many people would like to ask God to help them get off their own case this weekend? I, I have to raise my hand. So God says, I chose you. I want you. I appointed you. I set you where you are. Right smack dab in the middle of Amelia Island right now. But it takes time to absorb these truths about how intimately God loves us. And again, the greatest example of love is John 3.16. God so loved the world, He gave. I was teaching a, a, a video class, and it was like $35,000 for 12 sessions or whatever. So, and we had a little clock, and you had to like make the most of every minute. And I'm teaching about healing in the Gospels and about how, how Jesus healed people. And I've got about seven minutes to go, and I'm in front of camera A, camera B, the director, and I'm, I'm like right now, I'm wound up, I'm doing my thing, I'm charging forward, and God shows me a vision. <laughs> Don't cry, Peg. <laughs> God shows me a vision of what his heart felt like when his son agreed to die for us. And that was the impetus for that painting. I couldn't paint God because you can't see him. But when I painted this, it's called a mother's heart. What was on my mind was when God would downloaded that to me during that video class. And I said to God, I, I mean, I'm talking and this is happening at the same time. I never stopped because you can tell I can talk. Can't you? Who thinks I can talk? <laughs> so I'm saying, God, why are you telling me this in the middle of this thing? Turn, turn, come to find out. That session, once we started, you know, moving the class and selling it, that session, I got more letters, and I think maybe even email was around then. I can't remember. When you're 72, you forget what happened, what invention happened when. But I got more people corresponding. I think it was session 10B or something, how they got healed of a lifelong problem watching that session. And when I say love has energy, I mean, that energy came right through the videotape, right into people's homes wow. to the point that they got healed or released of some negative thought that was holding them back. That's how powerful love is. What's love got to do, got to do with it? Everything, baby. It ain't a secondhand emotion. It's the first emotion. <laughs> so... We, our job is to realize that we love because God loved us first and to decide that we want to step into that next level, that next dimension of what he paid the price for. You know, when I see Jesus, there's just one thing I want him to know is I appreciated what he did to the point that I made myself a living sacrifice and I followed what God told me to do as best I could. I, I miss the mark sometimes, but boy, I'd rather get 10% of doing God's will than zero. And how, many knows, how many people know 10% is bigger than nothing? All right, so. 
Now the sad thing is, the exact opposite is in 1 John 4, 8. It says, he that loves not knows not God, for God is love. So these people that I was talking about in Palm Beach and out in Tahoe and on the movies and yada yada, see, they don't love God. And most of them, I can tell you, well, should I say this on tape? A lot of them are Satanists. And people think they don't exist. Trust me, they exist. <laughs> so... And God goes even further to say, if, if a man says in 1 John 4.20, if a man says, I love God, but he hates his brother, have we seen any hate in the world today? He's a liar. He can't love God. It's the, this is the Bible I'm reading. I'm not just making this up. For he that loves not his brother who he has, has he, he who loves not his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God who he has not seen? And Emerald would go, bam! That's a true sandwich right there. So these people can say they're after all this righteous causes and righteous this and that. No, sorry, dude. You don't love God. <laughs> That's where the rubber meets the road. So if you haven't figured this out yet, Jesus commanded us to love one another. So this is not a biblical suggestion. You know, this is actually a commandment because what is the first and great commandment and the second is likened to the first? A commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. When you do that, you know what you'll be doing? Walking in love. And, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so many people skip, skip over to love your neighbor, and they forget the as. If you don't love yourself, if you don't appreciate who you are, if you don't recognize who you are in Christ, it's going to be very hard to give that to somebody because you can't even give the measles unless you've got a case. So if you don't have a case of love, how are you going to spread it to somebody else? <laughs> All right. I used to think that, we already read that one, so thanks, Sue. That's good. Yep. I, I used to think that love, that Jessica sent this to me. Thank you, honey. I used to think that love was shaped like a heart, but it's actually shaped like a cross. How many, how many people see this? Amen. Yep, Amen. And that involves sacrifice, and that involves putting God first. Because love is God in action. Jesus, when he sent his 12 disciples out, he gave them power and authority to drive out demons and diseases, to cure, drive out demons, cure diseases, and he sent them to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Like I said, those things, people make fun of us, I don't know if you want to call us charismatic Christians or spirit-believing Christians or what, and yet God says those very things that people make fun of us for in the Christian realm are how he confirms his word. So who are you going to please? The right reverend so-and-so or Jesus Christ? I'm voting for Jesus. Y'all can vote for who you want to. I'm voting for Jesus. I got it by Jesus. I voted for Jesus. That's, I got it in my, my lapel. So the, th the deal is you can't, you know, where's God? He's, he, he's in this whole room. He's in this whole town. He's in this whole world. You can't reach out and grab a handful of God. But what you can do is you can see his love in his children. That is how God is made known to the world is through you and me. John 4, 17, talking about Jesus. It says, as he is, so are we in this world. When? 50 years from now? When we die? When we go to heaven? No, what does now mean, folks? 
You know, I always tell people, God has a big old clock in heaven, and there's no numbers on it. There's no 1 through 12. You know what God's clock says? N-O-W. N-O-W. All God is looking at is right now. What are you doing? Where's your, where's your heart with me right now? Not what did you do for me five years ago, or what are you promising to do next year? Where, what are you doing for me right now? And, and that can be as simple as, and this is a big deal, getting quiet and just letting God talk to your heart. A lot of people are addicted to activity. They won't take that 20 minutes a day and just get quiet and listen to God's voice. You're going to hear a lot about this tomorrow. So, I will say this. Jesus never came to start a religion. You know, I was talking to this woman I was talking to today. I said, did you know the only people Jesus got really upset with were the religious leaders because they were supposed to be loving the broken, the poor, the sinners. And they were walking around with their nose up in the air going, Jesus hangs out with publicans and sinners. Who does he think he is? Well, we know who he was. He was the Lord of love. He was going where people realized they needed something. And the religious leaders are the only people Jesus ever got upset with. He actually called them children of Satan. Is that right? Anybody back me up on that? Your father's the devil? And here's the deal. Jesus came to give us a relationship so that our spirit and God's spirit fit perfectly. So that whatever need we have, whatever question we need answered, it fits perfectly. Whatever we need in our life, God has the perfect thing to put in that space. So, you know, when I'm talking about all this stuff, I think about men like David, a man after God's own heart. I think about Abraham, who was called a friend of God. I mean, it was a few years back, I said, wait, hold, hold on here a second. Abraham lived long before me and long before Jesus. So if Abraham could be a friend of God, guess what I could be? And guess what I became? God talks to me and tells me stuff so intimately, so clearly that I can hear his voice that no human being can tell me because they don't know my heart. But you know, I didn't get that till I asked for it. Living on earth was never meant to be a solo journey. It was meant to be a partnership with the Lord and for him to have your back and for you to have his message, <laughs> the dynamic duo. So remember, love, I, we already saw the slide, but love is when you care about somebody else's happiness more than your own. And that can be your spouse, it can be a friend, it can be some of the, the person that backed into my car today. They were older people, they were about to cry. There was no way I was going to come down, man, no way. <coughs> Let me put it another way. <laughs> you are God's love child by seed. It says we're born of incorruptible seed. We're his child by seed. And you are God. God's one true love, and that goes for every person. I don't know how God does it, but he loves us all the same. He loves us all equally. And I kind of like, I think that's cool. Because God doesn't play any favorites. He loves every one of his children just the same. It's above my pay grade. If you want to know how he does it, you'll have to ask him. I don't know. <laughs> so, Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. And learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, 
and you shall find rest. Anybody in here need their soul to rest a little bit more than maybe it has been lately? <coughs> well, this is how you get it. Jesus said if we go through life shoulder to shoulder with him, he will make our burden lighter. You will be more productive. You will do what you got to do with less strain, and you will be in peace when you do it. Like I said in the last session, you are created to love and be loved. So expect it. Why not? I mean, what do you got to lose by expecting it? Expecting God to love you. I read a thing the other day. I don't have it in front of me, but it said, what if, what if the event you were doing turned out exactly as you imagined it, only even better? <laughs> I don't know who sent me that, but it was such a word fitly spoken. <coughs> so everywhere we go, God is. Proverbs 6.22 says, When you walk, God will guide you. When you lie down, God will watch over you. And when you awake, God will speak to you. This is Proverbs 6.22. This is not Peg telling you. This is Proverbs telling you. And I'm, now I'm going to butcher some Spanish. You want to go to the next slide? Elena, watch me butcher your language. El amor de Dios... Es como el oceano. Puedes ver donde comienza, pero jamás donde terminal. The love of God is like the ocean. You can see where it starts, but never where it ends. The love of God is like the ocean. You can see where it starts, but never where it ends. Elena, how bad did I southern my southern accent? Butcher your language. <laughs> It was passable. Would you have understood it if I spoke it to you? <laughs> if I said it three more times. So as we started with Captain Kirk saying space is the final frontier, what have we learned tonight is the final frontier? Give me a L. Give me a O. Give me a V. Give me an E. What's the final frontier? Love. <laughs> Love is a final frontier. It is more exciting than space exploration. It's more unfathomable than the deepest seas. It's more astounding than studying the molecules of the human body. Love is the greatest power in the universe. And this is what we got to get. We have a direct connection to it. We, have a, we are plugged in. We are plugged in to this power. Love itself that came to us through Jesus Christ our Lord. So my vision for this conference is that God touches your heart so deeply you sense his presence all the time. I want us all to walk out of here with a deeper reality of his love knowing that there's no limits. No limits. As we take the governor off our heart, and we let God just ride wide open with us through this life. That's how we set no limits to God's love. So I want everybody to stand up. and We're going to sing a song together.